It's time for Dodger baseball. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! There it goes! See ya! The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off the Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Off the Air, the legacy of WFUV Sports. I'm Andrew Galata alongside Danny Scott, and we are joined by a very special guest. He's the media relations consultant at Fordham Athletics and is a part of the PR game night staff at MSG. He was formerly the director of athletic communications at St. John's as well, and also a WFUV Sports alum and Fordham alum, Andrew O'Connell. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great. Very special guest. I said this off air, but I feel like I might be the least prestigious person to ever be. <laughs> on the FUV alumni uh, podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, we got all these game, these guys doing games on national TV, and it's just like me sitting here. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> no, no, definitely don't sell yourself short. And I think you have such an interesting path, especially just starting off with your childhood. I know your father, Jim O'Connell, was a Hall of Fame college basketball reporter for AP for 40 years. And from that, I'm assuming you have a very unique view on the sports reporting industry from a young age. So how was that process at a young age kind of you know, just even seeing the the industry from, I guess, afar. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Growing up, you don't realize that the way you're growing up is not the way everybody else grows up. Uh, so my dad, you mentioned, was National College Basketball Writer at the Associated Press. He worked at AP from uh, 70, 78 until he died in 2017. He was still working. Went to every Final Four from Magic Bird in 79. His last one was in 2017, uh, 39 straight. He was a little too sick to go in 2018 the last one before he passed away but yeah it was one of those things where you know growing up I thought it you know wasn't weird at all that I'd answer the phone at my house and it was like Jim Calhoun calling to talk to my dad or something like that you know I never realized that other people had to like pay for tickets to go to games it's like no don't you just like get the really good seats on the floor like don't you know people uh so it's one of those things where I was so spoiled rotten and I didn't even know it until I got to you know come here but it was one of those things where growing up uh you know grew Grew up around the game, loved the game. I think the thing that really got me uh, more than anything, and this was because my dad was, I really learned to appreciate the stories behind the people, the coaches. Uh, so that's part of the reason why, you know, I still love working in sports to this day. Not only are the games, you know, being able to say, oh, I got to go to work and like you're going to a game at the Garden or you're going to a game anywhere is pretty great. But being able to be close to the people behind the game, I think that's what really, you know, that's probably the thing I learned most from my dad that, uh, you know, I really keep living to this day and Andrew I also understand your mom was quite the basketball player oh she was incredible and I got absolutely none of that talent (laughs) in the record so I always laugh when people say you know well my mom in four years at Fordham she scored 2,548 points she grabbed 1,999 rebounds she's the Fordham career leader in blocks Remind me to go back to the career rebounds because that's actually a pretty yeah. good story. She's the career leader in blocks, and neither of her two sons made a high school freshman team. Uh, <laughs> so she never has voiced her disappointment. I mean, I would have very frequently. Uh, but my brother and I, we got the height, but we didn't really get the touch. I guess we should have had a hoop in the driveway uh, like everyone else. But, yeah, she was she was a heck of a player. Came from a great family. Uh, her oldest brother, Bobby, uh, my uncle, he played in Manhattan uh, from 68 to 72 uh, her, so she's one of seven. My uncle Chris played at LIU. 
uh, and his two sons, Kevin and Sean, were both uh, very good at Fordham Prep. They were actually valedictorians at Fordham Prep three years apart from each other. Sean played at Princeton. Uh, he was on the 96 team that beat UCLA. Uh, when his senior year, they got up to you know number eight in the country, I think yeah. it was. Uh, Kevin was a pretty good player at Prep. He played D3 at Haverford. And then it was my brother James and I just kind of, you know, sitting there picking our nose on the sidelines. Um, but, yeah, she was a heck of a player. And going back to the 1,999 career rebound, she was one short of 2,000. Uh, her last game, uh, this was pre-NCAA. My mom played 76-80. to 80, And uh, there was this thing called the AIAW. And they used to have regional tournaments and state tournaments and have consolation games. So it was the consolation game of the New York State tournament. And uh, somebody comes over at with about five minutes to go in the game, and goes, Annie's got 1996. She's four away from 2000. So it doesn't matter. Season's over. It's a consolation game. Her teammates start throwing up bricks, Just so, yeah. uh, trying to get her. So she has 1999. Her teammate throws one up. She goes up, gets it, gets 2000, comes down, the ref banged her for an over the back. Oh, my God. It was her fifth foul. She fouled out. So that was her last game. And then it's funny. I always joke with this, you know, with people working on the statistical side of it now. Is, yeah, they can't get a stat correction in there. That's for... what I'm saying is, like, we're wrong so often. Somebody yeah. couldn't have just been wrong earlier in the game. Like, I had to leave her on 1999. But 1999, is uh, it's got its own cool little story. She was the leading rebounder in women's college basketball history up until about 09. I believe it was Courtney Parrish in Oklahoma was the first one to get 2,000. Uh, but, yeah, she, she was a pretty good player. Uh, we would always – she had a game her freshman year. She had 36 points and 32 rebounds in Alumni Hall, now Carnesec Arena. Wow. So uh, every time when I was working at St. John's, I'd walk out in the gym and be like, hey, my mom's got a record that's never going <laughs> to yeah. be touched here. When somebody would get like a 15-rebound game, be like, oh, that's cool, only 17 yeah, away from yeah, my mom. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, that's definitely really interesting. It seems like you have a lot of ties to Fordham and just like the New York City area as a whole. So was coming to Fordham and at least looking at it when you were kind of deciding your college process, was that kind of almost a no-brainer to at least you know look at Fordham very seriously? Yeah, so it was one of um, – my mom went to Fordham. My mom and my dad actually met at Fordham here. So the other connection is that uh, they met – my dad was the SID here from 76 to 78, mm-hmm. right when he got out of school. Um and then that's where he met my mom, and then, you know, it's kind of history from there. And it was, uh, yeah, very New York-centric, uh, my entire family. My mom grew up in Park Chester here in the Bronx. My dad grew up in Queens Village. Uh, I grew up in Elmont, New York, which is the first town into Nassau from Queens. Uh, found out after the fact that the only reason my parents moved from Queens to the first town in Nassau was because when my brother was going to be born in 1986, Queens wasn't wired for cable television yet, and my dad really wanted cable TV, so that's why they went like you know three three minutes over the border, and that's why I technically grew up on Long Island. Uh, but yeah, my dad was a St. John's alum. Mom went to Fordham. Those were kind of the last two schools that I was looking at. Uh, actually, for the longest time, wanted to go to school in Boston. Was gonna go to BU, and then, funny enough, I came here my senior year for an accepted students' day or something like that, and I just remember Father McShane giving this speech to all the accepted students and he was the most gifted speaker I've ever been around just blew me away I uh I did actually in this uh on this very floor in one of the basement classrooms at Keating that same day Professor Beth Noble who I'm sure you guys have uh worked with at some point here communications professor she did a mock class on you know interviewing and it just was I was like all right man I I gotta go here uh so it was one of those things had to get through a few financial hurdles but I uh, started here in the fall of 2008. It's been probably the best decision I ever made. 
So when you were coming here, did you know exactly that you were going to join FUV right away? Oh, or was no, that something not, you just stumbled upon? Not even a little bit. So it was one of those things where, you know, growing up the son of a writer, and I thought I was pretty good at the time. I mean, I thought I'd have a Pulitzer by the time I was 26, no question. <laughs> uh, I decided, I was, you know, I was going to be a writer, and everyone would say, oh, you got to go work at FUV. Uh, I was actually very good family friends. My dad and Mike Breen were incredibly close. Uh, so... Everyone always said, oh, you got to go work at FUV, but I just thought it wasn't going to be me. Like, I was going to be, you know, the voice of a journalistic generation. Uh, but I just happened to coincide, my time in college happened to coincide with 2008, which yeah. really kind of messed everything up there. Uh, so I didn't really do uh, anything my freshman year. I worked in the sports information office, which is how I got to. Uh, as soon as I knew I was coming to Fordham, uh, my dad called Joe DeBarry, and I was fortunate enough that from the day I stepped foot on campus as a freshman until the day I left, I, I worked in the sports info office. But I didn't uh, didn't sign up for FUV my freshman year. Uh, sophomore year, I wasn't going to either. And a roommate of mine, uh, you know, he was really big into music. Then he sold out, and now he's a real estate lawyer. Uh, <laughs> but he was he's like, oh, I got to go, you know, work at FUV for music. So in Keating, third floor in the auditorium, they had this big, uh, you know, FUV informational uh, workshop. And so he was there. I was sitting with him. I was kind of just like zoning out. Uh, and then Bob Aaron sees me. Bob knew of me. Uh, my dad was a guest on one-on-one million times. It was pretty much every selection. The Saturday yeah. before Selection Sunday, Bob would uh, guilt my dad into coming on for way too long <laughs> with a bunch of college kids. Uh, and he kind of – he, like, wouldn't let me leave the room. Bob in his – you know, he's very agile for a, a man of his <laughs> age and size. Uh, like kind of corner me. He's like, you're Andrew. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's sorry. He's like, so you're signing up for sports? And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, sure. I put, I was like, I'll take a few of the workshops, like whatever. And then a funny enough story about that. And this is just to me, the most quintessential, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Bob Aaron's at some point, but the most quintessential Bob Aaron story of all time is about three weeks after that, I go through a few of the workshops. I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't really want to work in radio. Like I got too much other stuff going on. Like there's not enough time for this. So I decide I'm going to go in and I'm going to quit. Um, so I walk down into Bob's office. So I'm assuming is Bobby, the one all the way at the end of the hallway on the right. Uh, I knock on the door. He's in there with, uh, Brian Clark, who was a sports manager and Chris Quagliato, who was the assistant sports manager at the time. And he's like, you know, Andrew, what what's going on? I say, you know, I just I, I really don't have enough time for this. I'm <laughs> that's my favorite thing is college kids think they don't have any free time. Like, just give it a little bit. Like, you have no idea how much free time you have right now. Um, so he kicks Chris and Brian out of the room, and I don't remember. I can't remember exactly what he said, but all I know is I walked out of that room. I had gone in to quit, and I walked out, signed up for like fourteen other things. <laughs> I was on the for a demo for football. I was like, "What happened? I just I came in here to quit, and Bob made me invest yeah. so much more time." Uh, but thank God he did, um, because the next three years were incredible. Uh, it's so much fun. I made so many friends here. Uh, had just such an incredible time working, especially with you know football and basketball. So, yeah, I was did definitely not come on campus looking to work at WFUV. But uh, luckily for me, Bob is Bob, and uh, I was very lucky that. He persisted. I was able to come host one-on-one. I did color for football, basketball. I wasn't good enough to do play-by-play. Uh, and we had two incredible play-by-play guys my year, Kyle Kessis and Ricky Soprano. Uh, so I was able to do – as a matter of fact, I can hear myself talking right now. Bob will be yelling at me that I'm speaking too fast. Uh, so I'm going to try to slow down. Um, but, yeah, thank God he did because it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. 
And you mentioned that, you know, you had like that, you know, two week period where you thought you were, you know, going to quit and, you know, it didn't kind of, you know, wasn't working out to start. Was there any moment after that where it clicked and you're like, okay, I belong here? And it no, it was kind of just, you know, a slow, gradual process. It was just keep coming. And then, uh, you know, got behind the mic for the first time. We used to do mock one on ones, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you could. I don't know if you guys still yeah. do it, but I remember it was you have to do a half hour mock one on one. And it was yep. like, oh, my God, how am I going to talk for a half hour? <laughs> And then by the end, three hours flies by like nothing. So, uh, yeah, it never really clicked. But just, you know, over the next couple of years, you know, you kind of just get more ingrained in the culture and the history. And uh, like I said, best thing that ever happened to me was coming and working here. So you, you talk about wanting to be a writer when you were coming in and anything like all, all that stuff. Did you do other clubs on campus? Did you write for the Ram? Did you write for any of the other papers here? <laughs> no. So I was thinking about I was figuring this would probably be one of the questions that I asked and just shows you that college kids are so stupid, man. And I was so stupid. I, I wanted to be a writer. You know, I was going to be this great sports writer. I didn't write for the Ram. Like I didn't, I took some journalism classes, but I was like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll find my way other ways. It's, it's like you wanted to be a writer, but you didn't write for the student newspaper. Like you are such an idiot. Uh, but yeah, didn't didn't write for the Ram. Uh, my biggest thing that I did here was I mentioned I worked in the sports information office uh, for Joe DeBarry and Scott Kwiatkowski. Um, that was that took up a lot of my time. I worked pretty much every game there. Uh, would do a couple recaps for them, but other than that, it was really just kind of you know writing for school and things like that. Had some other kind of freelance gigs on the side, but yeah. In retrospect, God, I was so stupid. Like, what? <laughs> why didn't I go write for the newspaper? Like, that made absolutely no sense. And you were talking about you wanted to be a reporter. Obviously, beat reporting at WFUV is kind of one of the integral parts of the oh, experience. Definitely. Was that something yeah, where you I was, learned a ton? And, I, know, was, I was the beat writer for the Devils. Um, I, it's Oddly enough, growing up the son of a sports writer, you have really kind of non-regional specific. So yeah. growing up on Long Island, you know, I was very typical Long Island kid. I was a Boston Red Sox and New Jersey Devils fan. Uh, but coming here, I was able to, you know, get in and be the beat reporter for the Devils. That was, again, something I don't – it was. I knew it was cool when I was doing it. I don't think I really appreciated how incredible of an opportunity that was until after the fact. The fact that you know they're letting some twenty-year-old kid who yeah. is putting on a shirt and tie for the first time and God only knows how long to come in here and sit and sit in the press conference with just absolutely incredible writers and real professionals. And uh, that's something again that uh, credit all the credit in the world to Bob Aaron's fighting tooth and nail to get FUV guys credentials. Um, yeah, that was, an, that was an incredible experience getting able to do that. I did uh, some other events. and So Devils was my big thing. Uh, any college football games that were around, I did the first pinstripe bowl. I was credentialed for that. Uh, Army played Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium too. One time I was credentialed for that. Got to um, when the Barclays was in Jersey, the golf tournament one time, I was able to go and be credentialed for that. That was, yeah, um, Again, one of those things you don't really appreciate in the moment, yeah. uh, but it just what a tremendous opportunity for, as I just mentioned, an idiot college kid to get yeah. to go be, you know, a professional beat reporter with all these other people that actually know what they're doing. So all those moments kind of sound like your favorite moments. Like you look back on them with very fond memories. But was there a single moment that you kind of went? oh my gosh, I kind of fit into this industry. Like I can make a name for myself potentially doing something in the sports industry. I never really thought I was going to make a name for myself. I remember um, thinking pretty early on that seeing that the path forward was 
you know, <laughs> seeing how the guys would do it. Unless you're a Spiro Dias or a Ryan Rucco, you're probably going and doing single-A baseball in Amarillo, Texas for, you know, a couple of years. And I never really thought that that was going to be me. Um, I always thought that I wanted to do something more, you know, New York, uh, Northeast-centric. Um, but in terms of when I realized that I wouldn't say I was good at this and I fit in, but I probably wasn't terrible. Uh, so my senior year, um, myself and Ricky Sobrano, who I mentioned earlier, we were doing play-by-playing color for a Fordham game against St. Bonaventure at the Rose Hill Gym. And it's about late in the first half, uh, Fordham puts up a shot, misses it, and Chris Gaston and Ryan Canty both jump up to try to go for a putback dunk. They both miss the ball but they both grab the rim and somehow like pull down all 500 combined pounds of themselves on the rim, snap, snap the rim. Um, we didn't have a backup rim. Oh. So for 58 minutes until they were able to figure it out, Ricky Sobrano and I had to just talk, talk yeah. um, fill the air. I think we went back for about seven or eight updates. Uh, but yeah, we just, we just had to talk. And it was one of those things. Once we got there, I was like, Oh, you know, that wasn't as terrible as it could have been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, only took until about I probably, that was probably like my third to last broadcast for FUV, but uh, yeah, that's about when I would say I felt that way. <laughs> and and, and you, you mentioned Bob Aaron's a lot, and yeah. you know how he kind of helped you grow through you know sophomore year all the way to yeah. you know when you ended up graduating. Was there anything in specific that you remember that you took when you ended up leaving FUV and you know end up you know going and setting on your just career? just a sense of professionalism uh, that was something he always instilled in us. Um, you know, you weren't allowed to go anywhere representing WFUV without a shirt and tie. Yeah. And it was one of, and a jacket too. It was one of those things where in the moment you're kind of like, this is stupid. Like, why can't I just wear a sweater? And then <laughs> working in the industry and seeing, seeing how important that is and just in, ingraining in us from such an early point in your career that, you know, you might not do everything the same, but there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. Um, the professionalism and the dress, the God help you if you didn't get to a game two hours beforehand that you were doing the broadcast. Like if you walked in an hour 45 before and Bob found out, like that was it. Um, yeah, that was, that was my big thing. Just kind of, you know, the sense of professionalism and making sure that you act, if you act like you belong there, you're going to belong there. I remember when I was doing the Devils, um, F- Stan Fischler, legendary hockey uh, you know, commentator, and I was kind of sitting off by myself. Our seat was all the way down on the right. It was basically like you know, the last possible seat you could have in the press box. And he walked up to me, and he goes, who are you? And I go, oh, I'm Andrew O'Connell, you know, WFUV. And he goes, you WFUV guys always look the part. And then he walked away, and I was like, that to – and that's something you didn't realize and you didn't understand at the time, but that is so important. Uh, and that's something that Bob always harped on. You know, might not have realized why he was doing it at the time, but then, you know, go back a few years later. Now I see a kid walk in, and if he's, you know, not wearing a jacket in time, I'm like, who's this jabroni? Get him out of here. <laughs> um, I want to transition now to a little bit afterlife here at Fordham. Yeah. So right after you graduate, you start right here at Fordham. How weird was that? Not actually leaving and just kind of staying. Where so you there was uh, there there was a bit of a gap for me. So I I finished in three and a half years. I had some college credits from high school, uh, but I was 
suave enough to convince my parents to let me sign a year-long lease. So I was, as a matter of fact, when I, I'm still not sure if it was allowed by the rules of what I was doing, so I apologize to anyone at FEV listening to this, but <laughs> when I was doing all the broadcast second semester senior year, I had already graduated technically. Uh, so I was just living on Belmont Avenue, uh, working games for FUV. Uh, and then in March of that year, I was lucky enough through Fordham Connections, through Jeff Fitzgerald, who's a WFUV alum, and through uh, Professor Noble, who I mentioned earlier, I got a job as uh, a news assistant was the title, as an assignment desk assistant at ABC News Radio in the city. Uh, so I started working there mid-March. It was the day, two days after the Big East tournament ended. Uh, and I worked there through right after the election. Uh, so right after the election, Hurricane Sandy, uh, that's when I was fortunate enough to come back here to Fordham. Uh, and the way kind of that scenario played out was I had been gone for a little while. I'd come up here to actually work a football game. Uh, I would come and work some games in my spare time because I was making a whopping $13 an hour at ABC News Radio, which <laughs> really wasn't enough to pay the bills, even though I didn't have any bills. They yeah. still couldn't pay them. Um, so I knew that uh, Mike Balestra, who had been in the position before me, had left. So I said to Joe DeBarry, uh, who I was very close with, and uh, I was like, hey, you know, if I – I'd always wanted to – I'd always known in the back of my mind that I thought I could be an SID. I thought I'd be good. Um, so with no experience outside of being a student worker, I say to Joe, I'm like, hey, do you think, you know, if I send in my resume, do you think I'd have a shot? And, you know, he kind of just very matter-of-fact in that the Joe DeBerry time. He's like, ah, you know, we kind of, you know, we kind of look to hire somebody in this position who's at least been like an intern or a graduate assistant somewhere. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, fine. Like, I get it. Um, and then I guess the applicant pool wasn't that great. <laughs> uh, so he called me back about three weeks later. He's like, you know what, why don't you send me your resume? Um, so I came up here. I interviewed. Uh, I was fortunate enough that they offered me the job, and so this was November of 2012. I started working. I was the contact for the women's basketball team and the softball team and volleyball, uh, which happened to coincide. Could not have been better timing. It was uh, Coach Gately's second year, which was the year uh, they won, I believe it was 23 games, uh, made it were one off-ball offensive foul away from winning the Atlantic 10 title. Funny enough, I actually saw that referee the other day, and every time I see him, I still think it's like... So this is what it was. Fordham's down one, about seven seconds to go, has the ball, has the chance to win on this possession. And referee called Sam Clark, Kind, of, I mean, I mean, she hooked a little bit, but like called an off-ball offensive foul in the final possession of the game, turnover, St. Joe's Ice. I'm still, <laughs> 10 years later, I'm still so angry. Um, but that team was incredible, being able to... 22 years old, kind of running the publicity for a team that was having just an incredible turnaround. Uh, they hadn't had a winning season in 20 years. They hadn't had a 20-win season since the 90s. It was, And being able to do that, it was kind of just the most amazing initiation by fire. Uh, we were able to kind of get – I mean, I didn't do much. It was the team that sold itself. But, uh, you know, we were able to get some publicity. We had an ESPNW article. We had – unsurprisingly somebody from the Associated Press came and came and wrote a story Doug Feinberg who I just happened to be uh, very close with since I was a teenager through my dad um, uh, Bruce Beck came and did a bunch for NBC and then that team ended up making the round of 16 in the NIT and then my second year my last year we won the A-10 and it was just 
being able to just be a ro- along for the ride with that, with a group of incredible young women, uh, great coaching staff. Uh, that was really when I thought to myself, like, yeah, this is this is what I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And then those two years, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, so, yeah, those two years coming back and working at Fordham, it was a little weird, um, you know, trying to, you know, be professional in your early 20s, like thinking you're, yeah. uh, you know, a big shot because you were in a collar shirt like one time and then seeing all the kids that you were friends with like still going to school that was a little strange uh but yeah my my experience those first two years here were was incredible and really kind of laid the foundation for what I was able to do you know over the subsequent years and I know you had experience through your dad just around college basketball it seems like you were always around college basketball yeah. as a kid but how, you know, when you were SID, how did you find it like working at in that college athletic setting and what really clicked for you in that that respect? It was it was just so much fun. Uh, you know, like I said before, being around the coaches and coaching staffs uh, a lot of the time. I mean, you can get a few bad ones, but I was lucky that I was always happened to be around great ones. Um, being able to travel with the team and getting to know the kids and just being around college athletics in general is just it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't think I've ever had a day in my career where I wake up and dread going into the office. Um, you know, I was one of those few people during COVID who I was itching to, you know, get back because when you're, when you're working in sports and you're not around people, that's when it stops being fun. Uh, but you know, being able to work in sports, even just conversations like this, like these are the things that are, you know, these are the things that are really tremendous in my eyes and the reason why, you know, I want to keep doing this and I've never really thought about doing anything else. So after you leave Fordham, you go to St. John's, which as far as basketball is concerned is a little bit of a step up. What was that transition like going from Fordham to St. John's? So it's funny where you, you say it's, you know, a step up. Um, so I made that jump uh, right after the thirteen fourteen academic year, which was the first year post realignment. Uh, so I've always known, like, I loved working with the women's teams and everything, but I always knew I wanted to, you know, work in men's college basketball. Um, so that year, 13-14, that was when the A-10 hit its, and this is going to sound crazy to say given the layout of the league this year, but they had six bids. That was without Xavier, that was without Temple. The A-10 got six teams in the NCAA tournament. The first year of the realigned Big East with Creighton, Xavier, Butler, they got four, and they only got four because Providence won the Big East tournament and there was a little – there was a stretch during the year where it looked like it was going to be a two-bid league. So there was a lot of talk then where, oh, my God, is the Big East going to be able to survive? Is the Catholic 7 plus these three? And, you know, the 8-10 looked like it was poised to make this jump, potentially be the sixth-best conference in the country. Uh, so I remember when I was making that decision, I was like, man, do I really want to go over to the Big East now? Like, is it going to work? Um, and – Thank God. (laughs) Thank God I did because the Big East, and I'm not just saying this because I work there. I'm saying this because I truly believe it is the best conference in the country from a basketball standpoint, top to bottom. You know, it's so easy to look at the Big 12 and be like, well, look what they got. But top to bottom, there is nothing like the Big East in terms of competitive structure where 11 could beat one on any given day, still have the double, the true round robin which I think that every country, every conference in the country should be required to do. You play everybody home, everybody away. It could not be more perfect from a competition standpoint. Um, yeah, so being able – and I I really do – the 
and this is not to knock the A10, but like I love the Big East more than anything. There's no there's no conference I would rather just turn on on a random night. Once I mean, you kind of forget what FS1 is on your yeah. uh, on your channel tuner from March until college basketball starts up again in November. But just top to bottom, the competitiveness of the league, the history of the league, especially now that UConn's back in it. Yeah. I know there are a lot of Big East fans who wanted them to kind of you know let them wither away in obscurity, but there's Oh, man, there's nothing better than having them back in the fold, and it just has kind of that old school feel. It's it's the having a conference of metropolitan in the sense that everybody's around a big city, with the exception of Connecticut again now. Um, predominantly Catholic schools that were willing to take a bet. And say, you know what? We don't need football. We can do this on our own. We were a basketball conference at the start. We can be a basketball conference now. And that was something. One of the big champions of that, aside from, um, oh God, I'm completely blanking on the Georgetown president's name. Uh, the Georgetown president, who I'll probably remember his name immediately after we stop, and uh, Father Brian Shanley, who was the president of Providence, and is now the president of St. John's. They were really kind of the spearhead folks of and father shanley told the story in uh when uh he was given kind of an employee seminar is uh you guys might be too young to remember but about 10 years ago at this time it was right when temple a uh, little over 10 years ago it was announced that temple was going to come to the big east basically what you now know is the american athletic conference mm-hmm. all those schools were going to come to the big east it was going to be like a 2022 team super conference Boise State was going to be in for football. It was going to be ridiculous. Like, Houston was going to be in it. So um, they were sitting around at a Big East Presence meeting, and everybody always picks on East Carolina, but, like, the straw that broke the camel's back, they were like, we're going to have to go play basketball at East Carolina. Like, absolutely not. Like, we are are breaking off. We're doing our own thing. They made a huge bet on it, um, and they went and got three – could not have three more perfect schools to fit with the mold of that. Basketball first, in uh, two of them Jesuits and Xavier and Creighton, people with absolutely maniacal fan bases. Then you go to Butler where they have so much history and it fits in with everything. Um, and the and the folks that work at the Big East are just Val Ackerman is the best conference commissioner in the country, and it's not even a question. The fact that she's been able to spearhead that conference from its creation into you know what it is now and kind of shepherd them through so many waters where no one thought they were going to be able to kind of survive. She is the best college administrator in the country, and to me it's not even a question. Uh, the folks that also work at the Big East office, you know, John Paquette, Pam Flanke, everyone in there, Kristen Quinn who worked there, who was my boss here, and then worked there, just people who truly believe that a conference centered around college basketball can compete with the best of them. Uh, so, yeah, going to work at going to work at the Big East – it seemed like a bit of a bet at the time, but probably one of the one of the best bets I ever made. And then another reason uh, that I you know went at that time was because St. John's women's basketball at the time I went had been to uh, they had just been to their fifth straight NCAA tournament. Uh, it was one of those things where it seemed like you know I had worked for kind of the upstart program. Now can I go you know kind of do the same thing for a program that's really established? Uh, has really kind of, you know, proven itself, cemented itself within the landscape of college basketball. Uh, and the workload was uh, pretty light. I went from having four sports here to two sports over at St. John's. Uh, but I 
quickly found out that you do way more work when you have the two sports than when you have four. Uh, so, yeah, the move to St. John's was something I really struggled with at the time. I remember I went into Coach Pecora's office, uh, and I was like, what do you think I should do? And he's like, hey, you got to go. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you go to St. John's? Uh, it's one of those things where I, – and I can say this as a, as a Fordham guy who truly – I mean, obviously loves Fordham, but um, St. John's from – just a general New York publicity standpoint, it's it's still number one, and it'll always be number one, no matter how far removed from 1985 it gets. Uh, I mean, they play in the Garden. They got in the New York media mindset. That's still number one. Now, maybe if the Rams, you know, finish out, we'll just win out, you know, we'll go like 30, 30 and one. one maybe, yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll get the Zach Brazil here from the Post. Yeah, that's. That's that's for sure, and obviously you've returned to Fordham yeah. as the media relations consultant. A, how did that come about? And B, what does your day to day look like as now? You know, day to day is kind of a loaded question. I mean, I'm sitting here with you at one o'clock in the <laughs> yes. afternoon on a Friday. Uh, no, but it was uh, funny enough. I had actually applied for another job here. Um, it was a senior associate AD role that I was totally unqualified for, um, but I had interviewed and then. Um, Eddie Cull, the athletic director who I had worked with at St. John's when I first started there, um, he sent me an email after the fact, you know, like, we love you, just not for this position. Uh, you know, we'd love to get you up here someday. And I thought he was just kind of like pulling my leg, like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, I'll get up there. Don't worry about it. Um, and then I saw him a couple months later, and he was like, hey, what do you think about, you know, a consultant role? Um, so I um, hadn't really <laughs> hadn't really thought about it until then. Um, and yeah, luckily we were able to make it work. They were just looking for, uh, you know, Ed, I think something that he, that he really understands and has been great for the university is he just wants to get people here. He wants to get people that can help people that want to be here, people that'll be good for Fordham. And I was lucky enough that he thought I was one of those people. So we had met, he extended the offer again. It was it was a tough decision. I, you know, I'd been at St. John's for eight years. I'd really made a lot of great relationships over there, a lot of great people. But it's, uh, you know, you hear coaches say it all the time. The allure of coming back to your alma mater is really something. Now, mine might have been at about one one hundredth of the pay scale of what <laughs> those coaches are getting. Uh, but there really is kind of, you know, an allure, a pull of coming back to your alma mater. I had uh, before – I had even gotten the offer from Ed. Um, I had come back to work a few games for Joe and Scott, and I hadn't been on campus in a long time. Um, and then, you know, I park in the garage, I start walking up, I see Keating, which anyone who's never been here, my God, this is the most beautiful building in America. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you kind of feel that. I was like, man, it'd be really cool to come back here. And then so when that opportunity presented itself, I was able, you know, some personal circumstances made me able to to take it on so you know I figured why not it's been great it's been about six weeks uh things are a little different um you know having the gym kind of gutted and the McGinley Center is no longer McGinley Center uh so it's been you know finding the lay of the lands a little different but coming it was funny when we were walking down here Andrew it's the studio looks exactly the same with the exception of these cameras yeah 
which, you know, they always say face for radio. I don't know who decided to put cameras in here. Like, I haven't worked out in like four years. You could have given me a heads up that there were going to be cameras. Would have ironed my shirt. <laughs> so I know I know you also do work for uh, MSG. Can you talk about what you do for that? Oh, it's, it's the greatest racket of all time. Um, so I've done that since I was a junior at Fordham. Uh, working for uh, Larry Torres, who's the director of public relations at MSG, long time. Um, I started working there in the game night staff when I was a junior. Uh, been doing it ever since. It's one of those things where, you know, it's not Knicks or Rangers. It's pretty much anything else. So that's college basketball, championship boxing. They used to have a tennis event um, in there. Uh, and that's basically just go in for a game, uh, you know, do some kind of PR game night staff stuff. So helping out with quotes, setting up the chairs, running stats, doing stuff like that, and then basically just hanging out and watching a game. And uh, I used to say this all the time when I was at St. John's as well, uh, when and we would play at the Garden. There is no cooler feeling in the world than walking into work and you're walking into Madison Square Garden. Like coming, I always, it's somewhere I always try to get to as early as humanly possible. Um, because it's like kind of the closest thing I've had to a religious experience in quite some time. When you walk into an arena like that and it's you and maybe like three other people and like you have Madison Square Garden to yourself, yeah. 19,812 seats and then there's just me. Um, it's incredible. Uh, and that's something where if you have the opportunity and I would say to you too, going into arenas and gyms really early in the morning, or, you know, in that kind of twilight when you're the only person there, there's no cooler feeling in the world. The Rose Hill Gym, when the when the light's coming in through the windows above the AD's office in the late afternoon or in the morning when, well, actually, now that they have those banners up, you can't really see anything. But uh, it really does feel like you're in church pretty early in the day, and there's there's just nothing that beats that. But, yeah, my my gig at Madison Square Garden is – you know, it's not you know it's not the most lucrative thing in the world or anything like that. I don't want you to think I have I'm this higher up at MSG. <laughs> it's basically I show up, type up some quotes, hand out stats, and they let me watch the game. Uh, but it's so much fun, and they'll have to take that job from my cold dead hands. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, before we let you go, Adrian, I just have one last yeah. question for you. Obviously, people listening to this podcast, usually the last question is always about asking some advice to give to either a student or maybe <laughs> you, you don't as want a my advice. Student. <laughs> what's what's one thing you would say to someone, you know, that's either just starting FUV or maybe looking to graduate and, you know, start so, a professional career? Here's something I would say to the FUV guys now. Um, and I used to say this at St. John's, we had graduate assistants who had kind of two year appointmentships. They were a couple of years older. But um, when you have a situation like you're in now at FUV, or graduate assistantship, something with a, de a defined end date. You should do everything in your power to make sure that whatever time you're there, you put every single ounce of what you had and got every single opportunity out of your limited time you have in this place. It's something where you can't really, you can't really understand or appreciate it until you're no longer there when your key fob starts stops working. It's like, oh man, this is like I'll never have another chance to go do a game. I'll never have the chance to do another Fordham play-by-play -play game for FUV. I'll never have the chance to go cover another game as a beat reporter for FUV. I'll never have the chance to do something like that. And you're going to have a lot of, I should have done this. I should have done this differently. Like, I'll just, like, I'm still not cleared to do newscasts for FUV because <laughs> I was just too lazy my sophomore year to go and record the practice ones. 
Uh, that's something that I still go back and kick myself. Like, how would my life have been different if I had some extra stuff on tape? Did I think I could have made it as a broadcaster? Probably not, but it's kind of your what if. Um, yeah, those are the things where being able to lay your head on the pillow at night and being like, I did everything I possibly could with the opportunity that was presented to me. Um, and yeah, I would say just do everything you can in that time because, you know, life comes at you really fast. <laughs> uh, you're going to blink your eyes. And then like me, I woke up this morning and Smithtown, New York with a wife and two kids and a dog. And <laughs> I can't come in and just, you know, go on the road with uh, forum football for a weekend anymore. Um, so yeah, the, the opportunity comes and goes pretty quickly. So I think it's really important that when you're in it to kind of appreciate the fact that you're in it and just do every single thing possible to make the most out of that opportunity. And that is an incredibly do as I say, not as I do, because I was the laziest student worker in WFUV history. (laughs) The media relations consultant at Fordham Athletics and a WFUV sports alum, Andrew O'Connell. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks, guys. This was fun. Off the air, it's a production of WFUV Sports.